1: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pallette and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting
0: across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan The stars at night shine big and bright. So, this is going to be part two. It was almost part one of the history of Texas Instrument, but thank goodness for the undo button because our producer deleted our first episode. And and then then undeleted it. it. Yes. But we have to share that because we must shame him. (laughs) That and and, and we're still calming down. The breathing is returning to normal. Like, oh, we don't have to redo that. Uh okay. all right so yes part 2 of the history of Texas instruments now you may remember that in our last episode
1: in the last episode of tech stuff
0: we left off where uh Texas instruments had gone into space i think it was 1958
1: yeah around around the time also when when Jack Kilby who uh was was forced to work while everyone else was taking a break because he hadn't been with the company very long and yeah. hadn't accrued vacation time. Just fooling around the office, and decided to come up with the integrated circuit. No yeah. big deal, just something he did on the, everyone else's vacation. I'll
0: show you guys, you all go to Hawaii and make an integrated circuit, <laughs> get more awards than all of you put together. And, huh. and
1: he did. Yes.
0: Um, Except he didn't. Sound well, maybe like that. not
1: put together. Yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't. He doesn't seem like the kind of person who would do that. No. But in 1959, uh, TI came out with the first commercial integrated circuit. Uh, basically, you know, it was it commercialized the product.
0: Right. The 1958 one was clearly just a prototype. Mm-hmm. Just as the transistor that Bell Labs made, uh, like a decade earlier. Was just a prototype. Yeah, so more than a decade earlier. But yeah. yes,
1: so they're they're starting to come on the market, and uh, again, something we talked about not too terribly long ago on tech stuff, and something we have a nifty Nito article about. The first gallium arsenide solar cells were produced. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a period of of intense development. Again, we're talking post war United States. There's a lot going on in in
0: industry. The, uh, the space race is starting to gear up. Yep.
1: Yep. Um and there's a lot going on. Uh the company is uh we were we were talking about Mr. Haggerty who had been a lieutenant in the uh the United States military um mm-hmm. uh, who came on board after uh working with the company as a uh, uh a manager for procurement. Yes. Uh came on board and joined Texas Instruments. Uh he ended up being one of the company's very important leaders and he uh came up with the objective strategies and tactics approach. Um, this is basically the kind of, uh, you know, finding ways to get the semiconductor technology that they had developed into all kinds of electronics and computing products. Um, and, you know, there were companies in Japan taking advantage of it. You might have heard of a couple of these guys. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Um, Mitsubishi, Sony, Canon, IBM Japan, and Furukawa, uh, which was the parent company of Fujitsu. Um, and basically TI became a supplier. For these companies uh, during this period in the early 1960s, um, and uh, you know they they talked about the possibility in January of 1964 working with the uh, Japanese government of uh, coming up with a, a subsidiary of TI it based in Japan itself,
0: yeah.
1: mm-hmm. um, and basically they they you know they it took them a little while, but they worked that out. Um, and, uh, you know, in the, in the 1960s, you know, this is when TI was an industry leader in semiconductors and circuits. Um, they were supplying companies all over the world and they were developing international subsidiaries.
0: Yeah. At that point, again, you wouldn't necessarily be owning a product that says Texas Instruments. You would be owning products that had lots of texter- Texas Instruments components inside them. Yeah. Because apart from the, the transistor radio, uh, mm-hmm. That really uh, helped Texas Instrument get a foothold in this industry. I mean, that, that demonstrated the uh, power of the transistor. Uh, apart from that, they really had not invested in the consumer electronics market at all. That just wasn't their focus. They were focused on corporate electronics. Yeah, so they're, and electronic components.
1: Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean That's to fine. interrupt. They're a B2B, if you will. Yeah. With, you know, business to business. So they are, they are an OEM manufacturer. They give the, uh, the parts to the guys who make the other stuff that you buy off the shelf.
0: Right. They make the other stuff possible.
1: Yes. Now, that's BASF.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But actually, BASF does that kind of thing, too. <laughs> so um, yeah, they really
0: do. Well, I mean, that's their thing. Okay. Um, so where where are you on your timeline? 1967 is about where I'm at. Okay. So in 1967, Texas Instruments went and invented the first handheld calculator.
1: Yeah, um, if you haven't, uh, ever been to TI's website, ti.com, you really should go and check out the interactive timeline because that's, that's where I've gotten a lot of my information. But they actually have a picture of this thing. It looks yeah. like, um, if you've ever seen the old style keyboard with a detachable number pad. Yeah. This sucker is huge. It
0: is pretty enormous, but, uh, but still is small compared to the calculating and adding machines that were popular at the time. Oh, yeah. And you got to remember that. Uh, before the integrated circuit and before uh, the the transistor, calculators were all mechanical devices. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know these were mechanically based calculators, and so the the transistor and the integrated circuit really led to the electric calculator. So in 1967, Texas Instruments uh, they demonstrate the first handheld calculator. It's not meant for uh, consumers yet. This was really again another prototype. And it was able to uh do addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, and that's it. And it had eighteen keys at a visual output that displayed up to twelve decimal lights. What? Yeah, twelve decimal digits, all the way up to that. Um which when
1: you think about it at that time was was revolutionary. Extremely impressive.
0: Yeah. I mean this is is making jokes aside. In a way, this is the beginning of the electronic computer. Industry as well. I mean, there are other developments going on in various other companies all at the same time, but this is is leading the way to the consumer computer market. Developments like this really were very instrumental in that. Now, in 1971. Oh. Oh, you have some more information between 67 just, and 71? Just a bit of, sure. a bit of an aside, at, in sure.
1: my, just a tiny bit. Uh, Jack Kilby yes. received <laughs> the 1969 National Medal of Science yes. from President Richard M. Nixon. On February sixteenth, nineteen seventy. So, uh, just just a note. I, I, I tracked the uh, Jack Kilby Express when I was going through.
0: Nice, this, so. nice. Well, in nineteen seventy-one, Texas Instruments develops the single-chip microcomputer for calculators, which means that they've now reduced the uh, the circuitry, the size of the circuitry. The miniaturization process has gotten to the point where they can put everything that a calculator needs. To be able to perform calculating functions on a single chip. Mm-hmm. Now this this coincides with uh, this is like a, a a demonstration of what Gordon Moore had said just a few years ago. Now, Gordon Moore, as you may remember, was one of the co-founders of Intel. Yes, and he had come up with this observation that we now call Moore's Law, but truly it is an observation that the number of discrete elements on a uh, on a given sized chip of silicon will double every 12 to 24 months. The, the actual number varies depending on when you look at Moore's Law. But in general now we say every two years that the number of elements on a, a chip will double. So that means in effect that not only are they becoming twice as complex every two years but twice as powerful. They're yes. able to do twice as much as the ones from two years previous. So, uh, this is really kind of a, the, the single chip microcomputer for calculators is kind of a demonstration for that. Just, just two years previously, it would have taken a chip twice the size or two chips to be able to do what they could fit on one chip in 1971. Uh, so we're actually seeing Moore's Law play out in the market. It's, it's showing to be a true observation. Mm-hmm. which I think is pretty interesting. Uh, now, it wouldn't be until 1972 that Texas Instruments would introduce its own calculator to the marketplace. Uh, up to that point, what Texas Instruments was doing was just what we've been saying all the time. They've been supplying elements to other manufacturers. But in 72, they decided to get into the consumer marketplace with the TI-2500, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which is is not a Terminator. Uh, it is the Data Math Calculator. Which cost a hundred and forty nine dollars and ninety five cents uh as its retail price. And so this was the first uh, uh, consumer electronics piece that Texas Instruments had, had really gone for since the radio. And uh and and this one actually looks pretty clunky too, if you ever take a look at it.
1: Yeah, it's it's big. It has that uh that um uh two thousand and one rounded, spacey looking look to it. Yeah. Which is I think characteristic of what the space age will look like when you're in 1972?
0: Right, right. It's very kind of modular, almost like you're looking at like ah, this this would fit aboard uh, the space station in in 2001. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, um, how could could do your taxes on it?
1: how <laughs> could do your taxes. I'm afraid I can't give you a write off <laughs> on that,
0: Dave. I'm afraid I'm not a dependent, Dave. <laughs> so, my next.
1: Date as in nineteen seventy five.
0: Would that be for the SR fifty two? Actually, because that's be also seventy five.
1: When Jack Kilby got the <laughs> VK Zorkin Award from the National Academy of Engineering. So
0: you definitely have the Jack Kilby Award timeline. Oh yeah, okay. I got it. All right. Well, we'll just keep going with that. Well, I, I
1: just it I just still. I mean, it's sort of a funny aside for me, and apparently Jonathan, but it also shows how important.
0: The IC was. You know, Jack Kilby's family crest is a barracuda eating Neil Armstrong. (laughs) Why why do you do this? (laughs) Okay,
1: so yeah, that, that was in 1975 and also the thing that Jonathan
0: said. Yes, yes. <laughs> the thing that Jonathan said. Why I yes. know that. The SR52,
1: the scientific SR-52 scientific
0: yes, calculator. a programmable calculator. It had magnetic card storage which meant that you could actually program stuff on the calculator in order to do scientific calculations. Um, which that was revolutionary as well and it was uh, again Texas Instruments' own product. So this is another consumer product. Uh, it used the algebraic operating system which was developed by Texas Instruments itself and uh, it came with 22 program cards and it cost just uh, just a few bucks short of four hundred dollars
1: yeah yeah $395 dollars uh, those program cards I'm not sure it's a uh, the TI site says non-vo- nonvol non-volatile so I'm, I'm thinking that that you couldn't do a lot of you know programming and storage
0: I think I think it means that you couldn't make them explode okay so, and they also in 75 began to make another consumer product, which other companies were working on as well. Uh, and also, um, oh, had, had, uh, it, it featured in the works of a Mr. Douglas Adams. Ah, yes. Digital watches. Yes. Beep. Yes. Stuff What Beeps. Yes. Episode <laughs> stuff, 407. Stuff what beeps. Yeah. The, the digital watches, of course, were, uh, th- those were, several companies were making digital watches at that point. Again, we've reached a point now where the integrated circuit has, has reached a level of miniaturization where, uh, you could use some tiny circuits in a watch and replace the old analog watches with digital ones. Uh, now most digital watches at that time were, uh, $100 or more, maybe $150 or more. So Texas Instruments decided to try and aim for a lower price market. Mm-hmm. So most of their digital watches were priced at $40 or less. So that that helped them get a, a a jump on on that particular segment because there were plenty of people who thought digital watches were pretty cool, mm-hmm. including Douglas Adams, uh but they just couldn't afford them. Yeah, um
1: a couple a couple things that we uh, skipped because my notes are frenetic. They have lots and lots of things in them. Yeah. Uh, 1973, uh, TI founder Eugene McDermott passed away. Yes. Um, and 1974, there was a new program that TI established in the company called Idea. And yes. basically it was an R&D, uh, group where they wanted to see, uh, the, I- the idea was that if an idea came through Idea, um, that, uh, Managers were authorized to go ahead and give it the green light. Right. You know,
0: oh dude, that's really cool. Go with it. And a lot of the educational uh materials that, that TI produced later on were products of this particular group uh project.
1: Yes, one of Jonathan's favorites, which will come up in a minute. Yeah. That's why I wanted to set the stage because one of the things that they were working on was a speech synthesizer.
0: Yes, which does come into play in uh-huh, just a second. Uh-huh.
1: Uh so I just wanted to make sure that we we covered that real Good quick. Idea. Before we get into uh, one of Jonathan, a couple of Jonathan's favorites.
0: Yeah, I actually, the next two products I have to talk about, I owned as a kid. All right, this dates me somewhat. And I, so. And I
1: didn't. Uh,
0: so I thought yeah. they were cool, but I didn't have one. In 1976, Texas Instruments introduced the Little Professor. Ah, yes. Which looks like a, a calculator with a little owl-like visage on the calculator and... Plus he's got wearing a, a miter board. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's got one on the
1: top of his head where actually the black part of the calculator that's supposed to be the, uh, his mortar board,
0: uh, yeah.
1: is, uh, where the readout is.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and it was actually not just a calculator, but it was a, yeah. a, a learning device. It mm-hmm. was to teach you how to, uh, perform mathematical operations. And, um, I was, a. Uh, you know, I I owned one of these. I actually used these to one of these to learn how to do basic mathematic operations, and and I have fond memories of this device. Um, you know, because I was a geek. Mm-hmm. Even as a little kid, I was a geek, and I found learning to be fun. And I've always found learning to be fun, which is coincidentally why I love my job here. So I That's have not I coincidental. have coincidental. I have ironically is why I enjoy my. In an Alastair, more set way, it's ironic that I enjoy my job. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, T.I., I have T.I. to thank a lot for some of these, uh, d- devices because they were instrumental in my learning process. <laughs> so the little professor was definitely one of the ones I owned. And I also owned the other one I was going to talk about that was introduced in 1978. Development had been going on for several years before that. But in 78, it hit the market and it was the speak and spell. Mm-hmm. And speak and spell also was very important. In, uh, the, uh, documentary film Toy Story, um, as I recall.
1: Also, it, it can give you an idea when you need to phone home.
0: Yes. Also important in the documentary E.T., The Extraterrestrial. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, this is part of the idea
0: program. Yeah. And it had the synthetic speech incorporated into it where it, the, the toy would say something and you would be asked to spell it. And it was a way of learning how to read and to spell and, uh, I remember having one of these, and i actually i think a couple of kids in my neighborhood had them and uh yeah i i enjoyed using one of these as well i mean again, thank you t i <laughs> and in fact i the next product I have to talk about i own that too. would this be the t i ninety
1: nine stroke four
0: yes slash four actually it'd be slash four a for me but uh which technically didn't come out until nineteen eighty one but in nineteen seventy nine t i decided to enter the uh, personal computing market. And at that point, there were very few other personal computers on the market. This is the earliest days of the personal computer age.
1: Yeah. You could have seen one of these if you were at CES in June, 1979. Yeah. Of course I, I was only eight years old at that point. So
0: yeah, I was, uh, I was busy awaiting. On the I was, I was, I couldn't go cause I was spending all my time eagerly awaiting the empire strikes back, which wouldn't come out until 1980. Um, Hey, but, it was
1: only $1,150.
0: Yes, that was one of the reasons why we had the TI, uh, TI-99-4A, because that one was slashed to $525. But the, th- this was Slash. a, this was a computer, uh, which probably doesn't really resemble the way we think of computers right now. Mm-mm. Um, if you were to buy just the very basic uh, set, like if you, if you had just the base unit, it was a, it looked like a keyboard, uh, that on the right-hand side had a big cartridge slot uh, mm-hmm. that was in there. And it, and it, you would slide the cartridges in horizontally, not vertically. They didn't stick out. They stuck. They didn't stick yeah, up. <laughs> not like an Atari. Right, not like an Atari. 2600. More like a Nintendo, but there was no uh, cover that came down over the cartridge. And uh, you would plug this into a monitor or television. Uh, we yeah. had ours plugged into our TV. And uh, this is the computer system where I... Played, uh, Hunt the Wumpus. I've talked about Hunt the Wumpus a lot. It was a, I, I mean, there are certain things in your childhood that stick with you, and Hunt the Wumpus stuck with me. Uh, I was terrible at that game. I hated it. But I played it a lot because it's what I owned. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, the Texas Instrument computer, that's one of those computers that you hear a lot of, uh, engineers talk about how, you know, they cut their teeth, sometimes literally, on the Texas Instruments, uh, TI-99. And um it's a it was it was pretty revolutionary. It the the price tag definitely kind of hurt the sales for the first couple of years, which is why TI went back and started to make some changes to the the device and then released the new model at five hundred and twenty five dollars.
1: Yeah. Except it wasn't all sunshine and roses for this one no, either, there because
0: was, there was a manufacturing problem that that led to disastrous results for TI.
1: Yeah, and I actually wasn't aware of this until I did the research, because I, I guess because I never had a TI-99. But uh, yeah, apparently there was a manufacturing problem that could cause people under certain circumstances to get an electric shock yeah. when using the com- the computer.
0: Which, you know, you don't want.
1: Well, standing in a bucket of water is not the ideal situation for you to use your computer anyway.
0: Well, I, I'm pretty sure that in this case, it was it would take a little more than that. It was
1: um, actually the power supply, and yeah. was was the power supply? Since I didn't have one of these, was the power supply external on this computer? I
0: honestly can't remember. Okay, I just curious. You know, I I honestly do not remember. I remember using this device, but I remember my memory is firmly of me sitting on the floor of our living room, yeah, with this device plugged into a television set and okay. playing Hunt the Wampus. Uh, beyond that. Can't help you.
1: Yeah, they did a um, TI had to recall all these devices and. Send out new ones, so they were off the shelves for a while. And that yeah. didn't, that never helps.
0: Well, especially during this era, you gotta remember Apple is tearing it up with the Apple II. That's true. Uh, the Apple I was not a huge commercial success. That was mainly a, a curiosity for hobbyists. Yeah. And it was sold, do you remember how much the Apple I was sold for? Yes, I do. $666.66. 66. So, uh, at this point, the Apple II is on the market, and that's really tearing it up in the, in, in the, uh, home marketplace. So, mm-hmm. TI being off the shelves, it was defi- definitely a big blow to the company because they were losing ground rapidly to Apple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, of course, later on, you had the IBM-compatible uh, computers really taking off. And, and at that point, TI was was sort of left behind as far as the uh, personal computer age is concerned.
1: Mm-hmm. Ah, So what's next?
0: Well, the next one I have is an 81.
1: The next one you have is an 81. Yeah. Okay.
0: Do you have anything before that, or should I just launch into it? Well,
1: I'm catching up on on my notes. Uh, Pat Haggerty passed away in
0: 1980.
1: Mm. Um, so the the old guard, the people who started the company, are are starting to uh, to pass away. to pass on.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, oh, well, I have I have one in uh, 1982.
0: Okay. Well, in 81, the mm-hmm. first solar powered calculator launches.
1: Ah, uh, yes, the uh, TI 1766, which is pretty cool. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I had a Texas Instruments solar powered calculator, too. It almost sounds like when I look back on my childhood that I was like a Texas Instruments fanboy without knowing it.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, one thing that's missing from their interactive timeline that I think is odd. What's that? The TI-30. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it, it isn't showing up, which I think is odd that they don't see it as a big deal. Uh, we had a TI-30. I wasn't allowed to mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they had uh, you know these. You might want these to explain devices.
0: to our listeners what TI thirty is. TI
1: thirty was, in my opinion, the calculator that kind of really made a dent in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. It was ubiquitous for a while there, I think. And and derivations of the TI thirty, we have a couple uh, around my house now, which are later model, you know, more sophisticated, solar powered. This thing um, though had the uh, the red LEDs mm-hmm. for the display. So it's not, you know, I think of calculators today as having, you know, LCD black and white displays. And of you know, course
0: people should know that your the TI-30 would eventually evolve into Cylons.
1: Right. Yeah. I thought those were toasters.
0: Well, it was it was actually a, a, a terrible, terrible, uh, a tragic love story between a TI-30 and a toaster. Okay. All right, then. So moving on, you said you had something for 1982?
1: Yes. As a matter of fact, I did. In 1982, uh, Jack Kilby was inaugurated into the Inventors Hall of Fame. I'm telling you, it was a big deal. And like I said, it. it we're, I don't mean to make – it's a joke because he's continu- continuously getting honors. You know, Jack Kilby one.
0: doesn't do push-ups. He pushes the earth down.
1: It was a big
0: deal. He's
1: well, I mean at this man. point – Integrated circuits are in so many different kinds of things yes. from inventions all around the world from, from companies all around the world. He revolutionized, revolutionized, revolutionized electronics.
0: Well, yeah. Again, so I just basics of computing it, and electronics.
1: It's a running gag in this episode, but I really, it's amazing. And he is being honored by people. Of all stripes of engineering and electronics, so I that is a positive thing. So I really don't mean to make light of this.
0: So the the next thing I have is actually the 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 date of October twenty eighth, nineteen eighty
1: three. Okay.
0: This is when TI officially announced it with, with withdrawing from the home computer market. Yes. And so uh, it looks like once once it's all said and done, it looked like TI lost. Uh, over half a billion dollars yeah. due to the TI99 problems um which included all the different various uh, uh uh drains on the the their income so that was that was a pretty spectacular failure yeah but uh, you know i would
1: i would argue that it was one of those failures it wasn't ultimately a failure
0: well, and, and certainly like I said, there's so many computer scientists out there who will talk about owning a TI-99 yeah. as mm-hmm. as their first machine and how that really got them into computing. So in a way, even though financially it was it was not a success, uh it was one of the most influential pieces of consumer hardware to hit the market. Yeah. I mean, it just – without that, we might not have had some of the the great computer scientists who have come out since then who have really kind of shaped the way we use computers. Things like uh, everything from the way computers network to the sounds computers make. I mean, there's some Mm -hmm. pretty spectacular stories that come out of people who credit the TI-99 with their interest in the the field. Mm
1: -hmm. So my next date – is 1986 mm-hmm. when Jack Kilby got the IEEE e- e medal of honor. And let's see there are some pretty big things that happened. I mean a lot of the the things that happened to TI in the 1980s are sort of behind the scenes for most of us. Uh things like stock splits and you know moving branching out and establishing branches around the world. Um it did in 1988 get rid of its 60% interest in GSI. Just an mm-hmm. interesting note. The uh the Geo uh, physical origins of the company now, you know, the company is letting go of that. Yep. Um, and let's see. So they, we're moving into the 90s, I think.
0: Yeah, and at this point, you know, the the consumer technology is starting to wind down a little bit. They still make plenty of calculators. Um, and I'll, they still make, sorry?
1: I was going to say in the late 80s and 90s, they had those really awesome uh, graphing calculators, yeah, yeah. which were huge and extremely, I mean, huge as in this was a big deal uh, and in the late eighties, I was in high school when I was starting to take, uh, physics and chemistry and, and calculus and, and, you know, I was really jealous of all these people who had these graphing calculators. Of course, at that point we weren't allowed to use them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, that was cheating. Things like the TI 81. Now you have to have them. Yeah. Yeah. These were, uh, these were big deals. I mean, I, I remember seeing them too. I, I think yeah. I actually did have a graphing calculator at one point. We did have to have one and. That was a big deal because they were uh, they were they were not the cheapest de- electronics out there on the market. No, Mm-mm.
1: Mm-mm. they were expensive, but you know they they were very sophisticated,
0: especially again for their time. Um, so, so yeah, most of TI's consumer products at this point are really in the educational field.
1: Yeah, a lot of them certainly are, or at least the stuff that people actually see. Yeah. Um, again, they're they're doing all kinds of things in the in the the background. Um, they. Uh, Got rid of their Unix business and their um, industrial systems in 1992. They actually got out of a lot of business in the 90s. Yeah. Basically, they're finding that they all the things that they were working on over the years, that just weren't working out for them uh, anymore. They just sort of gradually sloughed off. Yeah,
0: they felt that it was pulling focus from their core competencies. Yeah.
1: Uh, 1993, Jack Kilby won the Kyoto Prize in advanced technology. Yeah. Um, and Eric johnson in 1995 passed on mm-hmm. uh that was when ti in 1995 uh launched ti.com oh so
0: they they were and that was again that was kind of early for the internet days yeah yeah when you think that the world wide web really didn't start until about 92 mm-hmm. the internet the internet had been around for a while but the the ability for the average person to access the internet in any way beyond email or uh other like basic internet commands. Um, that was really limited until until the World Wide Web.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, in 96, they got rid of their printer business. In 97, they got rid of a whole lot of stuff. They got out of the, the defense business. Uh, they got rid of software, um, telecommunications, just all kinds of stuff that they said, you know what, this we're, we're going to focus on th- other things, and that's not part of it.
0: Yeah. yeah, and they continued to do that over the next couple of years. They, they were acquiring some companies, and then they were... Divesting themselves of others.
1: Well, they got rid of, uh, in 1995, they got rid of their electronic toy business. Uh, oh, wow. Tiger Electronics bought that.
0: Yep. So,
1: um, you know, these are, it, it's funny because I think of TI in those 1980s terms because that's really when I became aware of them. Yeah. Um, uh, my father actually, uh, is an electronic, or I'm sorry, mechanical engineer worked with some of TI's programmable calculators. Um, and I, I actually, there are a couple units, uh That he had that are still around my my dad 's house who that you actually had to pull out a section of the calculator and snap in a cartridge and then you could lock it down with a key to this ginormous printer and the work you would do would print out on a piece of uh, on a roll of tape very much like a uh um um Cash register might, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know this was back in the the late 1980s, so they were still you know pretty involved in these other things. But these are not things that people would buy and have in their homes. These right. are things that you would have for business,
0: right? And then in the late 90s and early 2000 era, they started to experiment with various sensor and control divisions, some of which they acquired only to to sell off later. Uh, it was again, it's kind of like this uh, this era of them testing out the other. Parts of the uh, other other industry interests to see if that would be a, a good investment for the company, and then some of them they kept, and some of them they realized were uh, not really aligned with the company vi- vision.
1: Mm-hmm. They did ship their twenty millionth graphic calculator, graphing calculator, in two thousand.
0: Yeah, you know, why don't you talk about what happened to Kilby in two thousand?
1: He that was just a really small prize. Yeah, the uh, Nobel Prize in Physics. Yeah, he got that in two thousand. Yep. So uh Mr. Kilby is well well uh known for his pioneering work in integrated circuits. Just right. amazing how how much the world has embraced, you know, his work.
0: Uh in 2003, Cecil Green, one of the original founders passes away. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I believe that's all the founders he, at that point.
1: He was 103. Yeah. Or 102 and a half.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> When you get to that HD, go with the halves. Yeah, you know, I'm just be tender. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're, we're winding up to getting close to the modern day now and, and what Texas Instruments is, is into. They're still very much involved in semiconductors and transistors.
1: I didn't, I didn't even – we haven't really even gotten into the digital signal processing stuff. They were right. in the first three COM 56K modems in the mm-hmm. mid-'90s. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a DLP, uh, the Digital Light Processing Technology. Uh, which is in many, many TV sets. They worked with Fujitsu on all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh regarding that. And one of Jonathan's favorite movies of all times. And my low battery is telling me I should shut down my computer. <laughs> um uh <laughs> one of Jonathan's favorite movies, Star Wars episode one, the Phantom Menace showed on DLP. That was
0: a terrible documentary.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, again, uh you know that. Of course, that movie was heralded as being digital. Oh boy, was it digital! Boy, yeah. howdy, was it digital! You know, and they used uh, Ti technology to show it off in theaters. Getting a bad feeling about this. Oh man. So uh, I mean, yeah, they've they're, they're Ti has faded from the public eye in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, there goes the computer but it's, the power supply.
0: but it's still it's still very much active behind the scenes like you're still oh, going to, and and of course if you are a student then you're probably familiar with TI calculators because mm-hmm. they still are very much the standard for those as well and you're you're
1: very likely to have TI chips in uh, Pretty much all kinds of technology that you may be carrying in your, on, on your
0: person at a given time, yeah, on the TV. I think TI is only second to Qualcomm for chips in mobile handsets. Yeah. So, uh, there are quite a few handsets that use some sort of TI chip. In fact, if you look at the breakdown of any electronics device, there is a good chance you're going to find at least one chip in that device that is going to be branded by Texas Instruments. Yeah. So whereas I think and a lot of... We're talking of- Texas. They really do brand them. Yes. Yeah. It, the, it takes a very tiny little fire. Yeah.
1: No, uh, I, I think that um, maybe people, since they don't see Texas Instruments computers anymore and they don't see, you know, there were toys and all kinds of things that really got a lot of public attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might have thought the company is is gone but absolutely not. They just have really returned to their B two B, OEM roots. Yeah, where they are supplying parts to other people who make stuff. And, and who knows? Uh, maybe
0: maybe we'll get to a point where it's a, a full cycle, and they'll go to just looking for oil. That's entirely possible. <laughs> and it'll start all over again. Well, that. I think brings us up to speed and that wraps up our history of Texas instruments. I, I was actually really interested in this. Um I mean I I had been familiar with the company mainly through its its consumer products because that was during my childhood. Yeah, mine so too. So that, that's That's where I knew the company from, whereas really what they're famous for is revolutionizing the electronics industry. So what do I know? Um, Oh, that's all. Yeah. Oh, that. So, again, if you guys have any suggestions for other companies you'd like us to take a a close look at and kind of give a breakdown of what they've done and what it means to be – uh, the technology industries as a whole, let us know. You can drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw or you can send us an email and that address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Be
1: sure to check out our new video podcast Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we
0: explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything.